0: Coming to you live on Tape on this Monday, August 23rd, 2021. Rich Eggie bringing to you yet another episode of the Broken Helmet. Raining down NFL thoughts and opinions in Tropical Storm Henry. Which, you know, while not a hurricane, sure as shit has brought a lot of rain down in the Northeast... Family and I returned from that little Jersey Shore vacay late this afternoon. And, well, late yesterday afternoon. And we could not have uh, hit the road a minute later because as we pulled into North Jersey, we got slammed with flooded road after flooded road after flooded road after flooded road. It was a mess. No good. No good. It was not the way you want to travel with two kids in the car. That is for sure. And as we got hit with flooded road after flooded road after flooded road, not the local bull cruisers, mind you. Talking about the big Carillion ships. Like Route 17. links Straight flooded. Accident. Right outside Giant Stadium, Route 3, westbound. Big, huge, giant van fucking tipped over on the side. Yeah, must I? Who the hell knows? Hydroplane turned the wheel, but the damn thing just tipped right over on the side of it. It was just a mess everywhere. Like I said, lanes straight flooded. Shit was kind of crazy. Not as crazy as the Giants continuing to sit Daniel Jones and their starters, but crazy nonetheless. And that steers us where we need to go right into the belly of the beast, if you will, preseason week two, where the training continues, backups, shit games, little scoring, although... More scoring than previously, Uh, I'm sure everybody will talk about unders tomorrow or if they haven't talked about it tonight because that was at least the betting theme for degenerate preseason gamblers um, all of preseason week one. There was more scoring preseason week two. We had six games that were 30 and under, but then we had six games that were 31-40 to and then three games that were over 41. So we had a little bit more in terms of touchdown and extra point and field goal uh, contribution to the events of preseason week two. So uh, anyway, we'll just dive right into it. I might as well. I mean, this is what's going on. It's the preseason. So without further ado, let's uh, fly out. We'll start out to the Friday games. We'll head into Arizona there, State Farm Stadium. Cardinals were hosting the Chiefs. This was a good one. Take this one because they played starters. Yes, you're talking about the Super Bowl runner-up, Kansas City Chiefs, playing their starters in this one along with Arizona. Did they play them long? Yeah, I mean, long enough. They played them a a bunch in the first half, I, I think, Kansas City, I wasn't uh, keeping track, but I think Mahomes and the first stringer stayed in there maybe one series longer than the Cardinals. I could be wrong on that one. But Mahomes was in there. He went 10 of 18 for, uh, what, 78 yards and one interception. That interception was when he rolled out toward the right side, the right sideline, and then tossed it late, trying to slide it in there into the end zone, and it was a phenomenal interception. Uh, The kid kept his two feet down right on the corner of the end zone and then leaned over and grabbed that INT. And let me look. I forgot the the kid's name uh, offhand uh they got the, they have the interceptions right over here so it was i think it was Byron Murphy yeah it was Byron Murphy Jr that had that one fantastic interception as he was just falling out of bounds uh I, this followed th- this game and the Mahomes performance followed a bunch of uh, was followed by, I should say, geez, I mean, whew, we're starting off stammering early in this one today. But um, those, uh, the performance was followed by a bunch of uh, podcasts talking about, you know, and social media, I should say, social media podcasts talking about how Kansas City looked still a little shaky, um, that it was a continuation of the Super Bowl and the running around that... Mahomes did as he did in that big game. And I don't know. I a little bit of a stretch. Look, I, the line is a redo, and like all of these teams, especially the teams not playing their starters, they're going to take a couple of weeks to get uh, you know things humming here but I'm not looking at a preseason game in two quarters versus the Cardinals and gonna start jumping on the criticism criticism wagon and start going after Mahomes and trying to you, you know put holes in the armor I not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's a preseason game. I was happy that he played. It made it a little bit more entertaining, something to watch on a Friday. Uh, In regards to, I thought Arizona was the team to focus more on because Kyler Murray, to me, just doesn't look as though he's progressing uh, in his game at all. I don't, It's not necessarily maturity personality-wise, just in regard to his gameplay, I don't see the maturity factor. He tends to do the same thing. It's here's the snap, here's the fake, here's the rollout outside of the tackles to extend the play, and then tries to gun the ball downfield. So in regard to their offense, again, preseason not making too much of it, but... You know, it's a little concerning to see him go in there and look as though it is the same approach as years past. Now, Kingsbury's been there. This is going to be his third year. So uh, I think after this year, you're going to start to hear a lot of critique should the team not progress and move past the performances of last year and the year before. They also brought J.J. Watt in here, A.J. Green. I don't know if he's got anything left on the tires, but they're going to kick him around a little bit and see if he can contribute to the offense. Now, they did uh, get rid of Kenyon Drake, and so they're going to roll the dice in the backfield with uh, Chase Edmonds and James Conner. Conner coming over, obviously, from Pittsburgh. So, a little bit of moving pieces here for the Cardinals. Um, again, it's only a preseason game, so I'm not going to make that much of it. But uh, the offense and the defense, for that matter, because remember, defense has been uh, revamped, and they continue to try to put pieces in place in that defensive uh, unit in the backfield and linebackers. You know, I, I obviously Isaiah Simmons was a draft pick that was a little head scratching as his performance, and they didn't really know how to use him. So as they continue to try to add to the defense, um, it, you know, is a question mark and didn't look necessarily great, I think. When comparing the Kansas City offense to the Cardinals defense, I think Kansas City's offense looked shakier than the Cardinals defense looked good, if that made any sense. Of all four units, I think the Kansas City defense looked the best of them all. So this, that's obviously Spagnola. He's getting another year under, uh, under the wraps here uh, with the Chiefs and working on that defense. And, you know, look, it, it, the past couple of years, the approach has been the same. The offense scores a ton, and so much as the defense bends but doesn't break, can they score more than the other teams? And that's going to be the approach. I mean, as you watch this defense and you see what Spags is doing, it feels like they're trying to get rid of that moniker, right? It's not the bend, don't break. It's now the let's be a a top-tier defense. Um, And they're playing really well. Now, obviously, I I don't know. i got to look into whether or not that Frank Clark thing is going to be a continual issue or not. Um, But he was out there. Um, They obviously have Chris Jones, who they moved to the end. So he is moving from the inside to the outside. They've got pieces, um, and we'll see if that comes together this year. So, again, Kansas City can't really make much of it. Mahomes, did he look great? No. Did he look terrible? No. No. The uh, Cardinals' offense and defense both looked a little scattershot. And you didn't really get to see much from Murray anyway, typical running around. But the biggest takeaway from this game was the Chiefs' defense, which I thought looked pretty good. So the other game for Friday was in Washington. That game featured the football team hosting the Bengals. This game, not really much to see out of this one. If you want to try to talk about something, I guess you could talk about Fitzpatrick. He was in there. He got 13 attempts. He was 7 for 13, 96 yards. Uh, rated the ESPN quarterback rating is 77. Uh, but other than that, Cincinnati's offense didn't really play anybody. Joe Mixon did get in there, but no quarterback. No Joe Burrow. Washington did feature some of their guys. Uh, Gibson was in there. You did see um Terry McLaurin in as well. So you got a little bit to watch out of Washington. Nothing earth-shattering. Cincinnati, there was nothing to be seen. So this game was kind of a bore fest. Washington won 17-13. Uh, to 13. There wasn't really anything to gleam out of this one. So that was the conclusion of the Friday games. The Chiefs-Cardinals was the better of the two. So that will bring us to the Saturday games, and we'll try to fly through these best we can. Because there was a bunch of them. So, Bills, Bears, this one, another Mitch Trubisky fest. Who cares? Looking at Buffalo, the one thing of note was that they did play their two backs quite a bit in the game. Singletary and Moss. Breida actually got in there more, too. So, if you were trying to think about what the Bills were trying to accomplish in this, McDermott probably was looking to see if he can roll in this Running offense a little bit more than what it was last year because it was anemic at best. I, their running offense was basically Allen and that's it. It was Allen passing, Allen rolling out and rushing, and uh, you know any any contribution from anybody other than Allen was just uh, you know cherry on top I guess. Uh, this year, it, it trying to figure out why they would be playing these running backs so much. I would imagine that they're trying to roll this into the offensive arsenal uh, more than in the previous year. So, other than that, Trubisky, like I said, 20 for 28, 221. This was the Trubisky Bowl, (laughs) if you will. The Trubisky Bowl. Whoever thought there would be one, no. Um, But uh, he got in there a ton, and he had the one touchdown, As for Chicago, you had Andy Dalton to start off. Andy went 11 for 17, a buck 46. He had one touchdown, one INT. The fans obviously booed the shit out of Dalton because they don't want him in there. They want Mr. Fields in there. They want him in, but... As Justin said, after the game, he thought it was disrespectful to boo Andy, and the fans just have to trust the coach. The fans trusting the coach,
1: what? Yeah, yeah. Good
0: luck with that one. It doesn't fucking happen. So Justin showing his immaturity in the NFL game there, suggesting that the fans should trust the coaches because nobody trusts the coaches. The coaches always suck. That's the gig. Fire Insert coach name here, right? Fire Zook, fire whoever. I mean, for me, it. I can't really quite go fire Judge yet, but the NFL fan moniker is fire, insert coach name here. So, but Fields did get in there afterward. Dalton looked okay. Fields looked okay. Uh, Like I said, Dalton was 11 for 17 for a buck 46, touchdown and a pick. Fields was 9 for 19 for 80 yards, but he did run around and scramble quite a bit positively um, in the rushing game. He had four carries for 46 yards as a result of his scrambling, so that was a positive. Otherwise, not a whole lot. You know, I will say, watching defense, I'm I was a huge Khalil Mack fan. And he and the offense played in there quite a bit. And watching Khalil Mack, I, you know, I've read a little bit on the internet about fans being a little disgruntled and some pointing finger and saying that he has lost the step. I didn't watch a whole hell of a lot of Bears football last year, but I did look for Mack because he was in that, game a ton and he just again it's a preseason game so you don't know how much he's pushing it out there but he just compared to his premium Raider years he just looks slow he just he doesn't look as powerful it's just a different version of Khalil Mack now he's 30 but you know defensive line defensive ends outside linebacker as he started, they can play for quite a while. You know, I mean, I wouldn't want to say that Khalil Mack is at the same stage as J.J. Watt, right? Because J.J. Watt, look, his best years are way behind him. He's got a couple of years left. I'd hate to think that Khalil Mack, at 30 years old, only has a couple of years left. But, you know, his impact on the field just has been very slim compared to years past. So that was the Bills... Uh, Bears game. Next up was the Jets Packers. This was a decent one because you got to see what a rookie quarterback play. (laughs) Yes, we actually got quarterback play in this one. We got Zach Wilson. Looked good. He looked pretty solid. This is the second game. He played the first game versus the Giants. Got a little bit of work in. He got more work in here, and I thought the work looked better. He was 9 for 11, 128, and two touchdowns in this one. Um, positive signs for the Jets that their rookie is looking solid, especially on the road in Green Bay. Granted, Green Bay wasn't playing a lot of starters. Doesn't matter. You got to make do with what you got. So across the board, the Jets looked good. They got production out of Michael Carter. He had 10 carries for 52 yards, so the rookie got in there a little bit. Tevin Coleman, who's slated to be the starter, got four carries for about 20 yards. So... You know, not a lot. Uh, Carter, I, I thought, looked better than Coleman, but Carter was featured way more. If there was a offensive player to really note outside of Zach Wilson, it would have been Corey Davis. Now, Corey Davis comes in to New York from Tennessee after having kind of a... a uh, it was not a return to form year because he didn't really have one. So I wouldn't say a breakout because he didn't really have a breakout. But it was a year of significance out of Tennessee. Enough that he got himself signed to the uh, contract by the Jets. He had four catches for 70 yards. He There was an uh, article PFT wrote using a Corey Davis quote saying that him and Wilson were developing a very nice chemistry together. Showed in this game. I mean, four for 70 and... Those completions looked solid. So he'll obviously fly up a little bit as we approach fantasy draft um, weeks here, right? I mean, this is going to be the premier two weeks to get your fantasy drafts in, and everybody is slamming their heads against the wall trying to figure out a date that doesn't. uh, conflict with some other draft taking place. So as we progress here over the next two weeks, get close to the season, I would imagine from outings like this and some of the internet vibes that you might read that Corey Davis is going to slowly notch himself up in the fantasy football wide receiver rankings. We will see. But uh, uh, not a great game to watch because Packers didn't contribute much sitting their starters, but Jet fans had a lot to chew on here, and it was kind of fun to watch the rookie perform a little bit better in his second game. Next up was the Falcons versus the Dolphins. Second-year quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. He played a shit ton in this one. Played the entire first half. If I remember right from watching, I think he played into the third quarter as well. He went 16 for 23 for buck 83, one touchdown. Um, Malcolm Brown led all rushers with, well, led the Dolphin rushers, 10 of 43 with a touchdown. Miles Gaskin is going to be the guy. Gaskin is going to be the guy there. He was six for 27 with a touchdown. If you compare the two. Gaskin looks way more explosive and quick than Brown does. Brown more the slow, plotting power back. Um, so, you know, obviously Gaskin is probably going to be leaned on more heavily by fantasy people in terms of this offense. Look, it's Patriot South, right? So you're going to get a little bit of all these people. You have seen Ahmed, right? Salvan Ahmed used quite a bit uh, in this offense as well more as the third down back. So you can see the bits and pieces coming through. They've got Tua as the Brady, Gaskin as your lead running back, Brown as your Garrett Blunt power back, Ahmed as your James White character, so you can see more or less how the system mirrors a little bit of those of the Patriots where obviously Flow came from. Um, so, but Tua got in there this week. I ripped Tua last week. I didn't think he looked good at all. He looked better in this game. Caveat everything was under the middle, there wasn't anything really downfield. I, again, I don't like what I see, but I, you have to give credit where it's due, and he looked better than last week. So, You can't say, hey, he looked like shit, but he looked better than last week. No, he looked like shit last week, looked better this week, and we'll see if that can continue when we get into the regular season. The question continues to be, can he go downfield? It just doesn't feel like that is what he wants to do. He just doesn't want to stretch the field. and A lot of it is underneath. Now, without being in the coaches' rooms and in all of the meetings, I can't tell you if that's the design or not. I, all I see is what I see on TV. And what I see on TV is him not stretching the field. So if it's by design, congratulations. If it's not by design, obviously something to worry about. And I look, his uh, reluctance to go and stretch the field downfield has been noted elsewhere by uh, professionals that get paid for this shit, not by people like me. Um, so I I don't think that it's a far cry to say that the downfield issues are something to keep a focus on. I, Falcons, there's nothing to talk about with the Falcons. They played fucking nobody. And A.G. McCarron blew his knee out, and which was really weird because you saw it happened on a scramble that he had where he was trying to get the first down and it looked like he jammed up his knee at the end of the play and he kind of walked away from it and it was a little hobbled. And then he handed the ball off the next play and immediately went for his knee. It was like, oh shit, he just popped his knee. And if you rewatch it, I re it a couple of times. It was obviously from the play before and I, it must have just stretched to the point that it was razor thin and then... Goes the weasel. And away went A.J. McCarron. So the Falcons are going to be in need of a new backup there to cover their ass in case Matt Ryan goes down. Because if Matt Ryan goes down, Felipe Franks ain't getting the job done. No siree, Bob. Not happening. So that was the Falcons-Dolphins game in at the uh, Hard Rock down there in South Florida. The next game was Ravens-Panthers. Again, this game really nothing to talk about. Nobody played in this game at all. It was the Tyler Huntley versus Will Greer match. Sam Darnold did get in there for a bit. P.J. Walker got in there for a bit, but they didn't really play. This game was garbage. I, Baltimore wins, and they broke some record for consecutive preseason wins. Like the, all right, you know, like that means absolutely anything. But congratulations for getting some meaningless preseason record. But nobody played in that game. Nothing to see here. Lions versus the Steelers. This game over in Pittsburgh. This one, yes! We got some offense in this one because the main players played. Yes, first stringers. Ben Roethlisberger got in there. He was 8 for 10 for a buck, 37, two touchdowns. And this was the... Matt Canada, oh Canada, the Matt oh Canada coming out game. He is obviously the new offensive coordinator for the Steelers. Previously, he was hired as the quarterbacks coach last year, and then promoted to the offense corner this year when he took over for Randy Fitchner. Uh, if you look at Canada's rise to fame here it is pretty crazy to go through how he got here because it was basically like one two year stints everywhere he was uh, the offensive coordinator at NC State um, and then he was he, he was the offensive coordinator at NC State in 2013 then he agreed to a new three year contract and And then he was subsequently let go following the next season. So he gets a three-year deal, and then he gets, I guess, one year out of it, possibly two. So he goes from NC State to Pitt. Pitt, in 2016, he's the offensive coordinator. He was named as one of the five finalists for the Broyles Award, which is given to one of the top assistant coaches in college football. But then he was hired by LSU to be the offensive coordinator at LSU, along with the quarterback's coach. So he held that position for the 2017 season, and then in 2018, Canada and (laughs) LSU parted ways. So off he goes again. Happy trails off to Maryland. Maryland Canada becomes the offensive coordinator yet again. So here we go. This guy just gets offensive coordinator position after offensive coordinator position, but can never stay in the same freaking place. He just is let go by random reasons. So he's the offensive coordinator. But then in August of 2018, he became the interim head coach because the coach before the TJ Durkin, he was put on administrative leave for, following the death of Jordan McNair. Do you remember that story? It was pretty crazy. I want to say it happened because... Did they play in the, in the heat? It was something controversial about the Jordan McNair death. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it was something related to playing in the heat. But anyway, Durkin's left and Canada becomes the head coach. So he gets the head coaching gig. And only to find out that after that Mike Loxley was hired as the permanent head coach for Maryland and then Canada was like so that was it so then he ultimately lands with the Steelers he does the one year as quarterback's coach and then is promoted to offensive coordinator so literally i mean you want to talk about the life of a grinder Right there, baby. That is the life of a grinder. That's how you do it. You do it the long, hard way, which is just going from college to college every couple of years, uprooting you and your family and taken off. Kids are like, I don't have any friends, Dad. Well, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know what to tell you. I just got to get a job and they just let me go again. So we got to go to a new place. Well, I don't want to go to a new place. Well, sorry. That's the life of a coach. And you are the son, daughter of a coach. So you got to eat shit and go along with me. So, But those kids nowadays probably have like 12 million friends, right? Back in the 80s and 90s, the traveling coach you know, was very similar to the traveling you know, local TV guy Guy, traveling radio guy, always moving from town to town, just living a miserable fucking life because they never are routed, you know, rooted in one place for any amount of time. Their family is miserable because their dad, or I guess their mom, is kind of, well, I mean, not their mom in football, I mean, not until recently, I mean, now probably there's more of a chance of that, but back in the day, unless you were TV and radio, you'd probably be a dude doing coaching, that is. So... These people just bouncing town to town and, you know, kids just being miserable because they got no friends because they have to uproot and find new friends every single place. Now you've got, you know, every kid has a phone with every social media app under the sun. So now the... the, the coach's kid is probably the most popular person on the planet. I got peeps everywhere. I got peeps on the West Coast, on the East Coast, down in Texas, up in Minnesota. I I got everywhere. I mean, I don't know if Canada has kids, but if he did, he's got uh, kids that got friends in North Carolina, in, in Pennsylvania, uh, out in Louisiana, uh, in Mer- Maryland, and uh, now back in Pennsylvania, uh, in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, well-networked well, uh, children, uh, the new age coach's children will be. So anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, that's right. O Canada. So this was the Old Canada coming out party. So his offense is being instilled and they're doing some things differently uh, here with Ben Roethlisberger and his wideouts. And look, I mean, he got the ball around. Uh, He did get a long bomb to Deontay Johnson. That was good for 43 yards. Juju Smith-Schuster, he got in there five catches for 39 yards. James Washington got three catches for 24 yards, so got him to shut his mouth. Najee Harris, he had a big catch out of the backfield that went for 46 yards. So Najee looking like a stud already. He fantasy-wise, is getting drafted big time, high up, as he should, but doing it on the field and showing it on the tape as well. I Also, Kalen Balazs, who I had read and had said that was banged up and looked like he was going to be out for quite a while, he was in this game, so he is back. Kalen Balazs had seven carries for 30 yards. But anyway, so the first offense gets in there. Big Ben looks good. They ended up winning this 26-20. I am really given the scores of these games because who the fuck cares about the scores of a preseason game unless you did the overs and unders and I gave you the breakdown there. There was uh, six games under 30 so there was probably a couple of unders that hit but this game was all about the Steelers first team offense playing and they did well so it it was a positive note for Steeler fans to see that Oh, Canada's uh, new offense is going to be humming along when it comes to the start of the season. Hopefully, that can continue outside of preseason versus a shitty Detroit Lions team. Although, Dan Campbell, you know, we don't have any turds here. No turds on this team. We just can't play defense. So, fuck us. Um, whatever. So, uh, after that, we travel to Tampa Bay. Titans versus the Bucks. Nothing to see here. Literally nothing to see here. I will not spend one minute talking about this game. Nothing was fucking done. It was not entertaining to watch. Tight Texans versus the Cowboys. Dallas still not playing anybody in this one. Really nothing to talk about from the Houston side of the ball. Tyrod Taylor did play for a hot second. But David Mills was the featured quarterback in this one Ben DiNucci featured along with Cooper Rush out in Dallas but again nobody cares if there's anything that you wanted to talk about in this game probably the Houston backfield because fantasy people are trying to figure out which one of these three boneheads am I going to pick up super old Mark Ingram super old David Johnson or undersized Philip Lindsay I don't know. Ingram got the most carries. He was 7 for 24 with one touchdown. The M- Mark Ingram typical 3.4 yards a carry. Philip Lindsay had 4 carries for 2 yards. He barely got in there. And David Johnson, I I think he got in there for a couple of third down plays, but that was it. I who knows what to do in that backfield. I actually just drafted David Johnson in a recent draft. I then followed up by grabbing Lindsay. I didn't give Ingram a sniff because I'm not going to invest 3 picks on the on the Houston backfield. I will take Johnson and Lindsay and I would imagine ultimately one of those guys is going to come out as the one that gets the most totes of the rock and you know just cut the other guy. But outside of the Houston backfield there was nothing from the Texans Cowboys battle for the state of Texas if there is such a thing as the battle for the state of Texas in a preseason game. But there wasn't, and that game stunk. So that's it for that game. Uh, what's the next game? Uh, I don't know. Let's go to Minnesota, Colts versus Vikings. And then let's not talk about it because nobody played. And this, these performances, you would look at this game and say, Jacob Eason played, and he is the backup that they look to be featuring because he's gonna play with Carson Wentz out. So if you wanna do that, sure, Jacob Eason was in there, he looked okay. He was sixteen for twenty-seven for a buck thirty-two. They did get some of the backup running backs to get some play there. Jordan Wilkins got a couple of carries. Naheem Hines got a couple of carries. Marlon Mack sighting. Man, how, how the mighty have fallen. Marlon Mack, who I, I really feel bad for that one injury because he kind of struggled getting going, then he got going, and then he got injured. And then all of a sudden, they just went a different way. They got Taylor, they got Wilkins, they got Hines, and now it's, you know, what is Marlon Mack going to do? I can't imagine Marlon Mack's going to make this team, but he's still there now, so who knows. Um, and talk about sightings. Amir Abdullah. There was a sighting of Amir Abdullah. He actually played for Minnesota. Got six carries for 35 yards. And if you don't remember him, he was the running back drafted by the Detroit Lions. Super fast speedster that ultimately did nothing on the field. But oddly enough, I think it was a preseason game. Um, Whichever game it was, the great Bill Belichick was, was quoted as being very fearful of Amir Abdullah. And turns out that it was a very poor assessment of talent because Amir Abdullah while still playing in the National Football League, really has not amounted to a whole lot of shit. But otherwise, Jacob Eason, running, Indianapolis running backs played, and that was about it. Kellen Mond got in there for Minnesota. He was 6 for 12, but nothing. Kirk Cousins actually played in this game, too. His, uh, his stats were 5 for 7 for 23 yards. He didn't do anything. But... Again, Jacob Eason would have been the story uh, should the news coming out later that we'll talk about not come out. And that's basically that Jacob Eason is not going to play. So that. Is that for Minnesota versus Indianapolis? Rams-Raiders was another game. This game played in Los Angeles. Nothing to talk about here. Fantasy people will look at the Los Angeles backfield and try to assess, is it Xavier Jones or Jake Funk that I should get the handcuff? Uh, What do you call it? Uh, Come on, Richie. Don't stammer here on live live air. It's not live air, dummy. You always say it's live on tape. So you can stammer all you fucking want, dude. Do it. Sorry, Daryl Henderson, Jake Funk, Xavier Jones. One of them is going to back up, Daryl Henderson. I don't know who it's going to be. Jake Funk got seven carries. Xavier Jones got seven carries. Funk was seven for 56. Jones was seven for 29. You figure it out. You're probably going to have to draft all three of them. So put three Ram running backs on your bench should you want to get involved in all of that. But that's really any, that's all you can get out of the Los Angeles game. Next up, Bronco Seahawks, another meaningless game. Bronco fans are going to look at the quarterback play because Bridgewater and Locke got in there. Bridgewater started this one, so he played with the starters. He was 9 of 11 for 105 with one touchdown. I didn't think that it showed a whole hell of a lot. Not that it was bad. It just wasn't anything monumental. Again, this comes down to Bridgewater being the typical average game-managing quarterback. And then Drew Locke being the more potential, better arm, but screws up, makes more mistakes quarterback. And Locke did all right. I, I didn't think Locke looked as good as he did last week, but he wasn't playing with the ones. Uh, he played longer against the, you know, second, third-teamers, and so you thought that his performance should have went up. It didn't. But then again, you know, I he was going against the backup defenders, but he's always going also going to battle with backup offensive players. So it, it's a wash. Teddy, you know, again... I would imagine in this one, I don't know, they went out and got Bridgewater, but I think they'll ultimately give Locke the quarterback nod because he was there last year. But your guess is as good as mine. Javante Williams looked okay. Didn't look as good as last week, but he did look good enough that if you were a fantasy Running back drafter, you would definitely look at him over any of the other people available, right? They have Royce Freeman there, but Melvin Gordon is really the number one that you would be comparing to Javante Williams. I can't see Williams looking the way that he does with the youth and the injuries that Gordon battles continually that Williams would not be the guy. So that that was where I would lean, and in the league that I just drafted in, Williams went. And Gordon, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went way later. He's not out there right now. But it was Williams first by you know four horse lengths. It was uh, it wasn't even a contest. Seattle, nothing, nothing to talk about whatsoever. Nobody played. Uh, they were interviewing all the guys in their pads on the sideline during the game. They interviewed Jamal Adams. They interviewed Russell Wilson. None of them on the field, so it was just filler material in terms of the Seahawks. So, that brings us to today, because we had two games today. And it was started off at 1 o'clock with the New York Giants in Cleveland facing off against the Browns. So, here is the build-up for this game. All week long, you're hearing, if you are a Browns or a Giant fan, how the two teams were having very, very live practices. A lot of words being exchanged, very chippy, very fiscal. Really had a good build-up for a preseason game worth watching. I believe Friday ended with fisticuffs between Sterling Shepherd and newly acquired Troy Hill. And there were pictures on social media of the two fighting and down in their fighting poses. I don't know if there was video. I didn't see video. I just saw pictures. All of this really threw into the pot to brew a good-smelling preseason game. And then what we got was a complete and utter failure. It was terrible. I mean, it couldn't... I don't even know how to quantify what a bigger piece of shit this game was. It was the typical... Zero ...game, as you just got built up for something that didn't happen. And I don't know who the Giants think that they are, but the fact that you have had two preseason games and have not put Daniel Jones on the field for one of those games just shows you the ineptitude of this franchise currently. I'm saying this as a Giant fan, so I focus on them a little bit more than I probably should for an all-around football podcast. However, look, it's the team that I follow, so I follow it a little bit more when it comes to them. The reason I want to focus on this game is because it is really the epitome of why preseason football is complete and utter bullshit. And they shouldn't have fans in the stadium for any of these games. And they shouldn't charge fans anything Like, they shouldn't have fans in the game. And if they bring fans in the game, they should give discounts on food, on beverage, on tickets, on everything. And they don't. And I know that because I was at last week's Giants-Jets game. And it was full-price parking, full-price tickets, full-price beer, full-price food. It was bullshit. And they do this for three games to all of these fans. And they do it to, I, obviously, you're not going to get three home games. So season ticket holders are stuck, are stuck with either one or two games a year having to buy these preseason tickets that aren't worth shit. And sure, I, the tickets are, I, I don't know, 100 bucks a piece. So if you get two home games, you get two tickets, it's $200. bucks. i am just doing random numbers. It's 100 bucks of tickets let's say you got two tickets so that's 200 bucks you got to get two home games so that's 400 bucks 400 bucks out the window you're not getting anything back for those tickets you're not selling them on the secondary market you ain't getting shit it's just money thrown into a pot and burnt now let's say that you're a season ticket holder and you've got four tickets that's going to be 400 bucks that's going to be 800 bucks for two home games if you get the two preseason games so that's almost a thousand dollars burnt Thrown away right into the goddamn toilet. The most you could hope is that at least you would get one preseason game where your team suited up their starters and you were able to salvage something. Now that always used to be week three of the preseason. Now you only have four games. We're going to see next week if that trajectory, not trajectory, but if that process stays the same. If the process of making the third game of the preseason, three of four, this time it's just going to be three of three, but the third game of preseason is the dress rehearsal for the regular season. Because if it's not, and all these teams just end up going back to playing their backups and you get three preseason games with nobody in there, then it really is such a disservice to all the NFL fans, especially the ones that are required to buy these preseason tickets. Because this Giants-Browns game was garbage. Nobody played in it. You had Brian, work, 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 work. And then you had Kyle Laletta only thing funny about this game was Kyle Laletta was a Giants castaway, and then he played the entire game versus them. He uh, went fourteen for twenty-three for one fifty-two in the game. Uh, Glennon, the backup for the Giants, looks terrible. He was ten for thirteen for eighty-six yards. Work, 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 work. work. He was eleven for nineteen for one hundred eight. Um, but there was nothing to talk about in this game. The Watching as a Giant fan, the only thing that I really liked was following the. They have a tight end, yeah, it, c- converted Canadian football player, I think, or a D two player. The guy's name is Rice and John. He's six foot seven, tight end, trying to make the squad. But you watch him out there play, and it's he's six foot seven, and he's not a big. He's like two twenty at six seven, so he's really skinny. He's more of a basketball player than a football player. That said. He was having an okay game. And then at the end of the game, he takes off from the line and he immediately pulls up, reaches back, and grabs for his ankle. It was either an ankle or Achilles, but he went out. And that was the end of it. So you invest all this time trying to watch this guy make the squad. And then at the end of it, the guy pulls up lame and could possibly be out for the season, depending on whatever the hell was up at the other end of it. Um, just a terrible investment of my time on a Sunday at 1 o'clock when I could have been doing a lot of other stuff. I really was hoping to see Dan Jones get in there and see what he could do, but no, nope, he wasn't in there. Nobody was. Uh, they just played all backups. Corey, you know, the backfield, Corey Clement, Devontae Booker, Elijah Penny. Uh, You know, David Sills again. David Sills. I mean, they just keep playing and throwing to this guy. Dante Pettis. Is he going to make the squad or he's not? Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Another one of them. Um, Cleveland. Kyle Aletta, Case Keenum. That's who you had throwing the ball. You know, holding the rock. You had John Kelly. Darius Johnson. uh, I mean, uh, receiving. David Davion Davis. Johnny Stanton. Nobody here. If you wanted to watch the New York defense, you could have seen some of the starters play and get some utilization, but not all the guys. Not all the guys. Blake Martinez was not in there. I mean, I didn't see him unless I missed something, but he wasn't in there. Leonard Williams wasn't in there. Uh, I didn't see Miles Garrett in there. Uh, I didn't see any of the big-time Browns in there on defense. So, it's just... After a week, why... The question becomes, why, after having a solid week of practice that was so hyped and so chippy, did you not feel the need to play the starters in the preseason game? Because all the fans are reading about the week of practice being so hyped up, and then you think you're going to get that in the preseason game, and you get fucking nothing. So... That game to me was the epitome of why preseason just stinks. Is because you just get nothing for your investment, and it really it's just about injuries and fantasy. That that's the only thing the fantasy that the preseason gives you stuff to talk about is who got injured and what fantasy people might be riding rising up the boards. That's about it. So the second game to on Sunday, it's not today anymore because it's after 12 o'clock when I'm recording this, I keep saying today, but it's tomorrow, uh, was the 49ers at the Chargers. And in this game, another one, you didn't get to see much, but at least you got to see Trey Lance. Yes. So we get another quarterback play. Another quarterback, up and coming, playing, and you got Jimmy Garoppolo. So you got the two starters. Garoppolo was in and out there tonight, so he didn't play all that much. He didn't really have any stats worth talking about. But if you want to, three for six for 15 yards and an interception, uh, which was a interception on a poorly thrown ball that got bounced up in the air and then picked off. Trey Lance had a similar interception where he threw a poor ball and then it got. Tapped up and picked off. So, and, and one of those was by Pat Sertan. Uh, no, uh, not Pat Sertan. Too. Uh, I'm getting screwed up. It was. Um, it's another uh, Legacy Harris. Uh, no, uh, Samuel. Asante Samuel, uh, he had the in, in interception. Asante Samuel Jr., if you will. Um, and one of those went there, and I don't know which one it was. I think it was the Garoppolo INT. But Lance had a similar one. Bad throw, tipped up, picked off. Lance's stats, 8 for 14 for 102, two touchdowns and one interception. Um... I don't know what to make of his game. He did the same thing he did last week. He hit a wide-open receiver, and that play was then thrown all over uh, social media. I think Pro Football Focus said that he was dialing it up. Was that uh, the—something. Dialing it up or or some kind of uh, quick slang about, you know, playing well, which was laughable because other than that wide-open receiver that he hit— to that point, he didn't look that good. Now, I, I turned it off because I'd seen enough of Trey Lance in, in two weeks that I didn't need to prog- pro- continue to see his play progression versus third and fourth stringers. So, I, look, he is probably going to take over Jimmy Garoppolo at some point because Garoppolo is not good. Right? That That's just the facts of the matter. He's not going to play right out of the gate because he's not ready. And all you got to do is just watch preseason games to understand that. He's good. He needs a lot of work. So this is the perfect Kansas City, Pat Mahomes, Alex Smith situation where you can just let Garoppolo play, let Trey sit in the background, and then toward the end of the year, depending on where you're at, you can either let Trey Lance in there or you can just let him continue to learn. Um, it really depends on where the team goes. If the team obviously tanks, I'm sure they would have no problem pulling Jimmy because once there's nothing to be gained out of Jimmy playing in terms of making it to the playoffs, etc., then you might as well pull him and make the move over to the new regime. But minus that situation, if the 49ers are contending continually, you're not going to see an arbitrary switch from Garoppolo to at least that's my gut feeling, but uh, you, so you did see Lance playing this one. Otherwise, it, again, it was backups playing for roster spots. Wayne Gallman, uh, the ex-Giant who didn't have a great career in New York, got looks in this game. Fifteen carries for seventy-two yards. Nothing else really to talk about anywhere here because it was Trey Lance. Wayne Gallman, Los Angeles provided nothing whatsoever. So that leaves one game left, and that will be played tonight as the Jags will travel to New Orleans to face off against the Saints. So Trevor Lawrence will be the one to focus on. See if Ation gets in there. Saints, I think if I read correctly or remember correctly what I read, then that was going to be... James Winston is going to be under center for the Saints. So that does it for the games. We will now switch it over to news. A couple of quick hitters. Starting off, Mike Vrabel. (laughs) Tested positive for COVID-19. Yet another breakthrough case. (laughs) I mean, enough (laughs) is enough with a breakthrough case. They're not breakthrough cases. There's no such thing as a breakthrough case. You get the COVID shot, which prevents you, hopefully, from getting very sick, and it seems to do that. It doesn't do anything else. uh, The Vaccinated people can still catch it. The vaccinated people can still spread it. It's not a breakthrough anyway. The terminology breakthrough COVID-19 case should just be done away with. Because you want to talk about misinformation and all that bullshit. Calling these breakthrough cases is completely deceptive in nature because there's too many of them to be breakthrough cases. And if you read CDC information now, they're telling breakthrough cases and they're using numbers that they say, you know, small percentages of people, but they're not actually taking good records so they don't necessarily know. Well, look, the NFL is taking good records. This is the point I've been making for weeks. And the NFL's numbers and te- and re- and tests that they're taking are showing that breakthrough cases are actually around you all over the place. And I would imagine that there's a lot of asymptomatic people around who don't know that they have COVID because they feel okay, but they're not getting tested because there's no requirement to get tested like there is in the NFL, and you're not getting tested unless you get sick. So the NFL is showing you breakthrough is not very breakthrough. Anyway, back to Tennessee. Vrabel tested positive, so he's going to be out for, if I remember right, 10 days or if he takes two tests that are negative within, that are 24 hours apart. So you take one test, it's negative. You wait an entire day. You take another test, it's negative. You can come back. Um, So that's for Abel. It doesn't matter. They got one preseason game. The only reason that that might be impactful is if that last preseason game was indeed going to be their dress rehearsal. It might be a little difficult from him coaching from afar, but obviously these are things that every team has planned for in their risk assessment. So they probably have something already laid out to get this done with him working remotely. Uh, Carson Wentz and Quinton Nelson. Now, these both guys broke the same bone in their foot, both with the same surgery, both given the same timetable of return, 5 to 12 weeks. That was 3 weeks ago, I believe. They're going to be both returning to practice Monday. So, like I said, the Jacob Eason thing, you could flush that one right down the toilet because it has no impact if Carson Wentz comes back and then plays week one. But, we will see. I do... again, without being a doctor, and you can go fo- follow Pro Football Doc or whoever it is on Twitter to find out more information than you'll be getting here. My gut uh, re- reaction, my uh, my gut, no, it's not going to be a reaction, I think it's just going to be my gut, tells me that Wentz and Nelson returning for Game 1 is a little aggressive, and at least for, well no, for both of them, because they're both going to be utilizing that that foot that is broken. Uh, Nelson obviously coming off the line and having big monstrous people push back on it. And Wentz moving around the pocket quite a bit. That I think coming back that quick is definitely a risk. Big risk. But then again, I said, I'm not a doctor. So anyway, they're returning to practice. That's going to happen Monday. Uh, Eason, thanks for playing. You're going to be taking a back seat. Zadarius Smith, the pash edge rusher linebacker from Green Bay, could miss the season opener. He had back issues. He was out. He came back, and now he's out again. So continuing back issues, never good. They plague people forever, and whenever somebody has a back issue, it never seems to go away. So he comes back, Smith that is, and he then goes out yet again. So uh, it looks like he is going to be missing the opener although that's not confirmed but not looking good back issues very problematic in professional sports. <laughs> Definitely going to be out for the season is Bengals rookie linebacker Joseph Asai Asai? 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 Uh, whatever. Joseph O. Uh, he was their draftee. He was getting a ton of PT. was doing great in camp camp. And he blew his knee out. He's having season-ending knee surgery. So he will have to wait till 2022 to pick up his career and see if he can contribute on the professional level. (laughs) Falcons have no more backup QB because A.J. McCarron, who was at the helm while Matt Ryan got an extended summer break, he also blew his knee out. And so he's going to be out for the season. As I had mentioned talking about the game, he scrambled. It looked like he jammed his knee up a little bit. On the very next play, he handed it off, and Pop goes a weasel. He was gone. So A.J. McCarron is out. The Falcons have no more backup quarterback. So they were going to be going to, I forget the guy's name at this point, but you're not going to put your faith in him. I would imagine the Falcons go out and pick somebody else up. Pat's wide receiver, Keneal Harry, who dove out for that ball and should have caught it. The big bomb from Mac Jones was nice ball, a little bit overthrown, but easily catchable. Harry missed it, fell on the ground, was writhing around, holding the shoulder. He's going to miss four weeks because he hurt himself diving for the ball. So another bitchy-money Wide receiver and this bitchy moaning wide receiver got hurt trying to lay out for a ball. So I'm, you know, you feel bad for him, obviously, but there's just a, a lot more to the Keneal Harry and Patriot relationship, probably specifically Bill Belichick. Ah, uh, because he drafted him and then soured on him, and you know he was fighting to get on this team or, or stay on the team, I should say, and now he's gonna have to miss four weeks before he picks up. I that would be a player I would not be shocked to hear that he was cut. A little aggressive for being a draft pick such as he was, but you know Belichick likes certain players, and it definitely seems like Harry is floating over toward that other polar end. So, we will have to see. He will be out four weeks. And finally, Saquon Barkley. Yes. Mr. Barkley, who didn't look like he was going to play in week one as the Giants had signed Alfred Morris, is now said to be partaking in practice this week as the Giants get ready for their final preseason game against the Patriots, who obviously will be out, Keneal Harry. Um... And it looks as though he's going to go. And if he goes this week, you'd imagine he would play in week one. I did not think that that was going to be a shot in hell because the Giants went out and got Alfred Morris a couple of weeks ago and brought him into camp. They Giants turned around and got rid of Alfred Morris. And when that happened, you imagine just the opposite of what you would think when they brought him in. They bring him in. It's probably because Barkley's banged up and he's not going to see the uh, field come week one. So we need an extra body in there. So you were here last year. We're going to bring you back this year. We'll put you with Booker while we wait for week two or three for Barkley to come up. But then when they turn around and throw Morris in, off the field and out of camp as quickly as they brought him back, I, he either stunk which could be the case, or Barkley was just coming back. Now, I thought that they were bringing Morris in because Barkley wasn't going to be ready, so obviously that changes my thinking to Barkley is going to be ready. But we will see this week as Barkley hits the practice field as the Giants get ready for their Patriots Week 3 preseason game. And that does it for this podcast. And we will just now wait for another week of exciting team versus team practices, the joint practice era. And we will see if that amounts to anything in the week three games. But if that was to happen, you know what you'll need? You'll need the starters to play. And then you won't have a Browns-Giants debacle like we got this week. So, we have a good five, six days to wait and see. And hopefully, we will get the dress rehearsals that we are accustomed to seeing in week three coming up. So, that's a wrap. I will talk to you later. Audi 5000.